What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Dwight Chocolate NBA podcast. We've taken quite um, a little short pause due to some technical difficulties, but we're back. <laughs> That's my bad, everybody. Um, I, I guess I can throw myself under the bus here. Uh, we, we had planned on taking a little bit of a break, but it wasn't supposed to be as long as it was. We did record about half of an episode last week. And then I spilled water all over my laptop. <laughs> and no the worries, because black. Huh? Uh, no worries, though. We're back, and that's the most important We're thing. Here. We're back, just in time for another exciting point in the off season. I don't know what we did as fans, but this year we've been privileged with probably what could be one of the greatest off seasons of all time and of all NBA history. It's gotta be. Th- it has to be. Like, have you ever seen this much superstar movement in any one year? Right. I mean, it's not even like it's like, so sort of there's been superstar movement before, but at superstars that are between the ages of 27 to 33 guys that are still in the middle of their prime, um, it's a little unheard of, I'd say. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Like, it's because of the Warriors, too. It's just like everyone's just trying to get on a team where they feel like they can have a shot at beating them. Mm-hmm. Right. So before we delve right in, into all the movement that just occurred in the last two weeks that we had our technical difficulties, I'll start off with this little trivia. So this week in NBA history, Michael Jordan signed with the Washington Wizards at the age of 38. <laughs> uh, I remember that. Yeah. That was fun. Not bad for an old, for a little old man who averaged 20 points, <laughs> 6 rebounds, and 5 assists on 41.9 shooting back in 2000, 2002? Something it, like that. Yeah. And the reason yeah. and I, the reason I think it's cool that this is sort of the thing that occurred this week is because I think it leads perfectly into this guy, Dwayne Wade, 35 year old who has recently just announced that he would he bought he got he agreed to his buy with the Bulls and signs with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Crazy. So from uh, the looks of the buyout, it looks like he lost about eight million dollars mm-hmm. uh, over the course of the two years. Um, and he's going to only be making two point three million this year. Um, so essentially, he's losing out on six million dollars uh, just to play for a contender, play with his good buddy, his bro, LeBron. Yeah, and uh, man, this really shakes things up. It does, and something that kind of stood out to me when I when I was doing a research when I was doing my research about this was so he he took the the two point three million dollar offer from Cleveland, but he actually let a three point three million dollar offer from San Antonio and a four point two million dollar offer from Miami um, on the table to return back to Cleveland. So I think I would say a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that LeBron James is on that team and he wants to return back with his with his banana boat buddy. <laughs> right. I mean, when you're talking about money like one million, two million more, he's already committed to not making the money mm-hmm. by having this buyout from Chicago. He's going to go to the team that he wants to play for the most. So when you're talking one or two million difference, like it wasn't going to make a difference to him. He was going to pick his favorite. Right. Um, so the big, I guess the question is, can they rejuvenate the, the chemistry magic that they had back uh, in the, their Miami Heat days? Uh, I'd probably say no. And I think, though, but that's not to say, <laughs> but that's not to say that Dwayne Wade isn't a good addition to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think he's a good addition in a different way, but I think they're going to have to figure out a way to probably 
their playing style is probably going to have to change quite a bit. Um, I think part of that is Dwayne Wade is going to have to try to be, become that spot-up shooter and that playmaker, um, especially when LeBron James goes to the bench. I think he's going to have to adjust his game a little bit there. Obviously, father time has had his their his effect, so Dwayne Wade won't be quite as quick and won't be able to catch those alley-oops that he became accustomed to back in Miami. I mean, sure. It won't be like exactly the Miami Heat team. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not both in their prime anymore. I mean, you could argue LeBron might still be in his prime. Yeah. But, I mean, I think you're discounting Dwayne Wade a little too much. He averaged 18 points a game last year. Yeah, he did. That he did. Um, So, I was trying to, like, bring a comparison of a guy that's close to his age range and how they performed. And the a guy that I got pretty cl- that I found is Paul Pierce. Back at the age of 36, Paul Pierce on the Brooklyn Nets team averaged 13 points, three rebounds, a 41% shooting, um, and that also included some 30-plus point performances. And I think I, I kind of feel like Dwayne Wade might follow that same trajectory that Paul Pierce did that season. His numbers might dip a little bit, but I think he will bring some surprising 30-plus point performances out there. But I don't think Dwayne Wade touches 18 points. Uh, okay. So I don't think he'll touch 18 points either. I mean, once I, especially once Isaiah Thomas comes back, mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas still intends to score 30 points a game mm-hmm. and LeBron will get his 25 to 27. And you know, that's okay though. If he doesn't get those points, he's going to bring a ton of playoff experience, veteran leadership, I mean, you get to have J.R. Smith just come off the bench now, which is a way better role for him. Yeah. Ooh, so that's the debate there. You you're, you sound so confident in saying that J.R. Smith is going to come off the bench. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you really think Dwayne Wade would have come to Cleveland if he was just going to be the sixth guy off the bench? No way. I'm not no sure. Way. I don't know if anything was promised to him. Sure, maybe he did sign with the assumption that he was going to be a starter. But I don't think it's that clear cut that that Dwayne Wade will be the starter over J.R. Smith. Uh, really? Huh. Uh, and I, I think there's going to be something going on there. I almost I'm leaning to saying that J.R. Smith will get the start. Um, but what we might see is we might see quick substitutions like Dwayne Wade comes in or maybe it's the other way around. Dwayne Wade gets to start and then maybe like. At around the eight-minute mark, uh, J.R. Smith comes back in, and then we see Dwayne Wade back in the second quarter for most of that. And then we see him close the game out. But I think it's going to be – that's going to be quite a, a mystery there, who gets to start, whether it's J.R. or Dwayne Wade. And then don't forget, they also have Kyle Korver there. Nah, nah. Nah, I really – no, no. I think you're giving J.R. Smith way too much credit, man. Oh. I, I see – I your latter point – made the most sense to me Dwayne Wade will start but his minutes will be a little shortened Mm -hmm. uh, just because of his age J.R. Smith will come in for him but there's no way they're not going to start Dwayne Wade no way no I just cannot see them starting Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade right next to each other I think it's going to be like Derrick Rose Kyle Korver Derrick Rose J.R. Smith or Kyle Korver (laughs) (laughs) We could we could see um, I don't know it's gonna be interesting what Tyron Lue does with his lineups especially with Isaiah Thomas out I think if Isaiah yeah. when Isaiah Thomas comes out I think I could see Isaiah Thomas and Dwayne Wade starting um, and definitely continuing that same theme that Dwayne Wade goes to the bench pretty early in the first quarter plays most of the second and then probably plays 
That's going to be interesting, too. Second half, too. I mean, I feel like he starts both halves for sure. Mm -hmm. And then he definitely closes both halves as well. But maybe rest him at, like, the start of the second and fourth and the end of the first and third. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, You play him a couple minutes in the third quarter. You save him for the fourth because I... It's no, it's gonna be interesting because Kyle Korver is a weapon that you can bring off the bench. You put, you play him at the three. You play LeBron at the four, and you play Kevin Love at the five, and then you play Jr. at the two, or Dwayne Wade at the two. Oh man, it's such a puzzle. There's, there's a lot of yeah. I mean, and you can even throw Jay Crowder into the mix as as well. Right. Like this, maybe he maybe he fits in there too. Right. That's not considering Jay Crowder. Um. I think, but I think out of all this, if there's a for sure, I think it's Iman Shumpert's the one that's going to be losing out of playing time. <laughs> He's not even going to play, man. Yeah, he... <laughs> they tried to get rid of him. They couldn't do it. No yeah. one wanted him. Yeah, my boy's not going to see any more time. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but here's an interesting note, though, on Dwayne Wade. Um, so Dwayne Wade, a lot. there's been a lot of talk on, of his three-point shooting, and that might be one of his weaker, weaker points against J.R. Smith, especially since the Cavaliers have sort of been built around creating space for LeBron James. But here's yeah. an interesting stat that Dwayne Wade is actually not that bad of a three-point shooter when he's shooting from the corner. He's actually a 38% three-point shooter from the three since 2010. 10 from the corner um and guess who guess what teams attempted the most corner threes the cleveland cavaliers at 850 oh. attempts from last year huh interesting man you did your research over these last three weeks yeah i did my research i, re- <laughs> I was really curious to see like because it does come into question whether was it even worth signing Dwayne wade was that even worth i'm sure like the leadership yeah. presence is there but if Dwayne Wade isn't happy with the minutes he's getting, is that is it worth taking that risk? But I think True. I think it could, I think to a to a degree it is. Um, I think Dwayne Wade's going to bring a lot to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. If like you said, if he's going to be shooting well from three, especially if he's going to be open once Isaiah Thomas comes back, once the Cavs are at full strength, mm-hmm. like between LeBron, it and Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade's going to be getting the most open looks out of all those guys, I would imagine. Right. So yeah, I mean, yeah, him, Jr., Kyle Korver, they're they're just gonna have to keep shooting those corner threes. Yeah, I guess the inevitable question that we do have to ask though is: this enough? To take them to take out the the Warriors out here in the Bay. So I mean, we're gonna get to OKC in a little bit. I think they have the best chance. I really just can't see it with Cleveland still, just because of mm-hmm. the Steph Curry Isaiah Thomas matchup. Like yep. they they just you can't fix that. You can't put Isaiah Thomas on Steph Curry and say let just just defend him. Like it's just not gonna happen. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, and I mean, the Cavaliers, I guess, unfortunately for them, they don't get to see the Warriors. They're only going to see them twice during the regular season. So their their chance to experiment with lineups against them won't really be there. But they do have the rest of the 82-game season to try to figure something out. Um, but it'll be an interesting series. I mean, obviously, if that develops, but all signs do point that that will probably be, that'll probably be a rematch. Um, but it will be interesting to see how that happens. I think... What somebody's gonna get left out. Obviously, it's gonna be Iman Shumper, that's for sure. But whether, <laughs> but I think Derek, when it is back, I think Derek. It's gonna be between Derek Rose, Kyle Corver, Jr., and Dwayne and Dwayne Wade. One of those guys is not gonna see the floor very often at all. Right in that series, but, yeah, I do definitely see this team with the Dwayne Wade signing 
it's definitely they're definitely gonna beat the Celtics. Uh, they're definitely favored. I would yeah. Say. Whereas before it was pretty close, and you weren't really sure. I think this puts them over the top. Were you think enough to sweep? No, no, no way, not a sweep. <laughs> yeah, I'd say like uh. Whereas before it was like a four three coin flip either way. Now you're looking at a four two Cavs. Yeah, I agree. I was even gonna go as far as saying it's gonna be a five game series. Ooh, okay. I mean, I could see that still. Like, it's possible. It's just so hard to tell how well that Celtics team is gonna mesh together. Right. Um. um like. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I, I agree with you. I think the Cavaliers are still missing something there. I don't think they have enough to take out the Warriors, at least clear cut. Um, I'm still a big proponent for this. I think the Cavaliers should attempt to get a trade for Marcus All. Yep, you've been saying this since day one, man. Yeah. Trade that first rounder for Gasol. It works. You trade the first rounder, Tristan Thompson and Iman Shumper or Shannon Fry, and the numbers <laughs> work out, and you can get Marc Gasol. Obviously, the, hey. the, they just need to work some <laughs> little convincing magic. You're going to have to convince them to take Iman Shumpert. Yeah. Maybe I just mean, take him out. Maybe that makes the trade better for them. Right. That's possible, too. <laughs> Um, well, anyways, moving on from there, another big dude has found a new team. Carmelo Anthony has finally been moved out of New York. And out of all places, he ends up in Oklahoma City. Didn't man, see that. Finally gets his wish. Yeah. Talk about Sam Presti, man. The man is just like dude. <laughs> perfect timing. He just he keeps getting these guys for really pocket change. <laughs> Right, yeah, like, I, I texted you earlier in the week. I was like, man, this guy's a freaking wizard. Right. Like, how how do you turn all of these random, useless players into superstars? Like, it's insane. Yeah. They got Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, and a second-round pick. Like, pretty much nothing. Yeah. So, there is something to be said about Carmelo he is 33 years old. Um, he hasn't been to the playoffs in, in a couple years. So maybe there's some question marks there. Do you think that would have anything to play against OKC? I I don't think that you can really factor in the age with Melo. He's a pretty special player. He's mm -hmm. been averaging over 20 points a game every year he's been in the league. Ever since his rookie year, he's never averaged less than 20 points a game. Yeah. So I think the talent is unquestionable. I don't think one year is going to change that at all. Um, what will be interesting, though, with this trade is, like, you have Russell Westbrook, who's a primary ball handler. You have Carmelo, who needs the ball in his hand. Um, we just need to see how they plan on working together. Right. So uh, this Paul, Paul George seems just fine. But, yeah, these two need to figure it out. Yeah, it is. So we're just talking about the Cavaliers and how their lineups are going to be. And this one's interesting as well because... I mean, you have three guys that essentially want to handle the ball, three dudes that are shooters. Um, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are arguably both play the three position. So at this point, you're going to also have to get a little creative with your positions and how you're going to play these guys at the same time. Um, what I could see them is they're taking a lesson kind of like, like what the Cavaliers did. They had they started with Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love, and they would take Kevin Love out like midway through the first quarter, reintroduce him in the second quarter with the bench crew, and then start him again in the third, and then close out heading into the fourth quarter. 
And I think they're gonna they're gonna do they're gonna have to do something like that. I'm not sure who that guy is gonna be. Maybe either it's Paul George or Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. So I think that I think with what they have right now, they have two options of what they need to do based on who they're playing. They can either go big, and mm-hmm. have Russell, Paul George, Anthony as the front court, and then you have Stephen Adams and Patrick Patterson. Um, as at the at the big band positions, mm-hmm. and then if you need to go small, you can put Anthony at the four and George at the three, put Roberson at shooting guard and Stephen Adams as a center still. Yeah. Um. So it's a little it's a little more versatile than it might seem on the surface. Um. Because they do have a little bit of depth there. Yeah. Um. But I, yeah, I think the the lineups can work pretty well. Yeah, I think this might be a team where we do see starting lineups shift a little bit depending on that on their matchup. I think they might be forced to change, say, when they go up against the Spurs or they go up against Memphis or maybe against the L.A. Clippers with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. I'm not sure if Carmelo Anthony can guard a big guy like Blake Griffin. Yeah, I mean, he is like 6'8", 6'9", but definitely doesn't have, like, the mass Mm -hmm. to really handle a guy in the post. Yeah. Um, So that's when they'd have to probably put him at the 3 and George at the 2. Yeah, so if they did want to start them. Mm-hmm. So something that I kind of like looked up was sort of like Jalen Rose has this quote saying that positions are saying that basketball positions were created for the novice fan, basically meaning that in today's NBA we kind of is a positionless NBA. Um, and I guess you you can if you're creative enough and you and these guys are willing to do sir things that are a little bit out of their comfort zone, sort of like Carmelo Anthony get down there and box out. Um, Cat gets some rebounds, or Paul George chase around some ch- chase around shooting guards and point guards. You can be, you can play these guys all at the same time. Um, obviously, there might be some defensive matchup issues, but I think you you can fig- you can probably figure out a way around those. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. He says novice fan. I don't necessarily agree that they're created for the novice fan. I think that it the game has just evolved to where positions don't matter as much. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be that it was, like, very cut and dry. You just had your point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. Right. And they're all, like, like your point guard is your shortest guy, and then it would get a little bit taller with every position. But now you have, like, a point guard who could be up to six foot six, six foot seven, if you're talking about Lonzo or Milos Teodosic. <laughs> And then right. you have your yeah, and then you have your wings, like two through four, and then you have your big guy. It's uh kind of like what Brad Stevens was talking about, right? And that's kind of what the NBA has become, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, then like going back to Cleveland, you could like LeBron James is essentially the point. I mean, he's the main ball handler, although he's right. not in the box score, the quote unquote point guard. So when you're looking at that, I get, I guess it could be possible that you have Paul George handling the ball, um, and you bring in guys, you have. Russell Westbrook act more of like a spot-up shooter and you bring in Robertson or on the Cleveland side, you have LeBron James handling the ball and you have J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver out there with Dwayne Wade as well. Um, yeah. Both acting all ready to catch and shoot when LeBron James drives that ball inside. Yeah. So I guess last question for, um, for Mello landing in OKC. Uh, how do you like their chances against the Warriors? I think it, I think, and 
looking at the whole Western Conference, I had a before prior to this trade, I had OKC as the third best team in the West. Now I have them as the second best. Um, yeah, same. I think they they've got more versatility and more weapons than the Houston Rockets. However, I looking at the Warriors outside of Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. I mean, the Warriors still got Draymond Green. They have Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala coming off the bench. And JaVale McGee is not that bad of a backup either. And you compare that to OKC's bench, and it's not very comparable. Yeah. And I th- yeah, I totally agree. And that's going to be their biggest weakness. Like I said, like they're going to have to figure out a way to keep Paul George, Carmelo, or Russell on the floor at some point, like either one of them, regardless of where in what point in the game they're in because if you take all three of those guys out i think this team i think this team will just get any lead that they have will just go away <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean yeah we even just saw it when uh russell westbrook uh was in the playoffs against uh houston mm-hmm. anytime he came out of the game they just instantly lose any momentum they had right I'm- um so I think Jeremy Grant's a fine player. Patrick Patterson are fine players, but the Raymond Felton is can is not going to be a great ball handler for you. Alex Abrines is is <laughs> he's okay. I mean, Ed lose. Yeah. I guess that's what you lose in Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor was the guy coming off the bench that could that was still a great scoring option when Russell Westbrook was on the floor, and he was another seven footer. But you lose him, and you get a great starter in Carmelo Anthony for sure. But that hole that was in. The, that hole that he left in the bench, like you, you're not really filling that with anybody. Yeah, true. But I mean, as far as matching up against the Warriors, yeah, I think you have great positional players to go up against everyone that they have. Mm-hmm. Certainly, like Melo versus Durant. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna, say, was gonna say. Yeah, certainly agree. I agree with you on the starter sense. Like you probably have like the best perimeter backcourt in the NBA right now with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Andre Robertson. But like, but like I said, like to me, their biggest weakness is their biggest weakness against the Warriors is going to be the bench, right? Yeah. So I guess the real question is, who's going to guard Swaggy P when he comes in? <laughs> Alex Abrines or Nick yeah, Collison? Right. I don't know. <laughs> One of these guys. Nobody. Nobody's guarding him. <laughs> yeah. He's always open, no matter how many people are in his face. Yeah, because by the time he comes in, probably no one's going to be trying. Like the Warriors. By that point, might have a thirty-five point lead or something like that. Did you see that quote that he that he had the other day, where like talking about like him wanting to take the final shot, like he's just gonna throw it up there, mm-hmm. and like even if Steph and Durant are on the floor, he's just gonna be the guy to take the final shot if he has to. Oh man, <laughs> take a seat, son. He needs to take a seat. <laughs> go back to go go to his place. I'm sorry to you say, you cannot tell him to take a seat he does not take a seat for anybody (laughs) so moving on and we'll get back to okc when we talk about our uh division the northwest division previews but i just wanted to touch a little bit on the on the lakers a little bit so mitch kupchak uh comes out and finally does an interview since his firing or even when he was a lakers gm he rarely did interviews but he go he jumps on the uh wash podcast and he hits on some interesting notes um and one of the things he talked about was the Obviously, people are going to ask him about the Chris Paul trade, and he kind of elaborated a little bit on that. And I found that interesting because when talk when thinking about the Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony off seasons, I kind of want to say that Chris Paul ended up losing a lot this off season now because oh, he thought he was making yeah. 
He thought he was. He left L.A. He left a lot of money on the table, and he thought he was moving on to a better team. But wouldn't you guess? Um, somebody else in your conference just got a lot better. And don't forget that that other team that was super good is still there. <laughs> right. I mean, he is. He was probably banking on them getting Carmelo somehow, mm-hmm. but didn't want Ryan Anderson. Yeah. And it's interesting when you look at the trajectory of the events that have led up to this point. I mean, Chris Paul could have been a Laker, but on that podcast, I mean, Mitch Kupchak talks a little bit about the things that happened those last, those couple years, um, starting with the Chris Paul trade saying that essentially the New Orleans Hornets were always in communication with the league about the trade that was developing. And then just out of the blue, David Stern vetoed it and he, and he kind of blindsided everybody. Um, and then David Stern just a couple of months ago jumped on another podcast and he was asked about it and he said that Mitch Kupchak panicked and that's why that yeah. whole trade was not able to be rejuvenated and be picked up again. Um, Mitch Kupchak obviously denies that. He kind of says that it would have, <laughs> it was just never going to rematerialize. Um, what I found it interesting, something that always stuck in my mind was how quickly they traded Lamar Odom after that. Um, and he was pretty adamant in saying that he made 100% the correct choice to trade Lamar Odom. And he, he left, he left his answer with something interesting. He said that only three people actually truly know why that trade had to happen. And those three people was him, uh, Jerry Buss and Jim Buss. Very mysterious. Yeah. Very mysterious answer. But I guess that kind of like closes that there gives us, gives Laker fans some closure. Um, and obviously going back to Phil Jackson too, he talked a little bit of that and he sort of made it seem as if like when him and Jim Buss went out to his house to try to ask him if he wanted to come back and coach the Laker, he wasn't very, he was not very enthusiastic about it and almost made it seem as if like Mitch Kupchik and Jim Buss had to almost beg for him to even consider coming back to the Lakers. So, right. Yeah. So. It seems like maybe the Lakers did make a make the right decision in retrospect hiring Mike D'Antoni. Obviously, things didn't go their way, but a lot of those <laughs> things were probably out of his control, anyways. Yeah, I mean, you see what Phil Jackson did with the Knicks. Like, it was probably a good thing that <laughs> I mean, he's he hasn't wanted to work for a long time, but he just keeps getting hired back because of those Chicago Bull days. Yeah. I, Hopefully no one else falls for that trap. Yeah, and I mean, you could almost put the blame on Phil Jackson on why the Knicks got essentially pocket change for Carmelo Anthony. Phil Jackson just yeah. kind of devalued Carmelo Anthony the way he talked about him in the media and the way he kind of portrayed him. Yeah, completely. It, it's kind of sad. And like it just seems like he is trying to sabotage them so they just let him go. Mm-hmm. So he could just kind of be an old man and do his thing. Go golfing at the country club. Right. And sit then, in a rocking chair. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, um, just something we we I wanted to touch on or we wanted to touch on a little bit was sort of like the, the political drama that's happening in the sports world right now. And it kinda had a ripple effect in the end. A lot of that was kinda happening in the NFL, but it, uh the these last two weeks it kinda had an effect in the NBA with President Donald Trump renouncing his invitation to Steph Curry. To come to the White that he already, House. That he already didn't accept. Right, that he already didn't <laughs> accept. It's it's kind of, it seems all very silly to me considering that the NBA is literally something tiny compared to the responsibilities that a world leader like the President of the United States has. So for him to come out and even acknowledge it, I thought was silly and ridiculous and really a waste of time for him, I think. 
Oh, completely. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want this podcast to be political or anything, but it's just sad to see, man. Like, yeah, it's just watching, like, just making it so that your pride is so important that you have to publicly voice yourself in such a terrible way. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have said nothing and no one would have cared. Right. It would have been fine. Like, yeah, it's, it's sad. It's sad to see. I was really pissed off about that. Right. And, I think, and so there's this argument that I see across social media a lot that uh, NBA players or NFL players or sports, professional sports figures should just stick to sports. And I think that's complete bogus. Honestly, like, yeah, these guys, they're professional athletes. They're not professional politicians, but neither am I and neither are you and neither are most (laughs) of the people on Facebook. But everybody feels like having a political opinion and that's fine. We were all entitled to one. But so are athletes as well. And if they're wrong in their political opinion, sure, that's 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 on their fault. But the idea that they shouldn't have one, I think is complete bogus. Um, the same way we 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 celebrate when an NBA player cares about a natural disaster, for example, Hurricane Harvey. James Harden just right. gave a million dollars there. Why wouldn't why why would we not allow a NBA player to care when he feels like unarmed color minorities are being unfairly targeted by the police and they want to speak out about it. I think they're entitled to their opinion. Yeah. And they, they have this ability to do so because of the stage that they're on. Mm -hmm. And so they feel like it's in their best interest to take advantage of that and make their voice heard because a lot of people look up to them and they realize that. Mm -hmm. And so by publicly voicing these things, they're trying to like, send a message for what they believe in and if they believe in it then that's great and you should have that voiced mm. and people don't have to agree with you like it's not like we have to like be on the same side as any whatever James Harden LeBron James on political issues but mm-hmm. they should have their voices heard no one should uh no one should block them from being heard yeah i agree um Final notes on that. Yep. Players are entitled to their positions and the idea that they have to stick only to sports opinions. I think it's bogus. I think these guys are entitled to their opinions and I mean, they're awesome athletes. So if you don't like their political opinion, you don't have to listen to it, but Hey, that doesn't stop them from being a great basketball player. (laughs) Word. (laughs) So moving on, I think it's time that we choose new new winners and losers of the off season since it's the preseason is officially starting tomorrow. I think I already said my big loser uh, yes. is Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah, I think we're that got even more so because yeah. of Carmelo. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the big winners, I got to say, OKC, man. How could you not say OKC? Sam Presti. The dude. Sam. So, I'll say why he's also the big winner. Here's a big point. And I'm just, I just formulated this opinion right now, thinking about everything that's happened yeah, in the yeah. last couple of weeks. So Sam Presti has been criticized a lot for basically letting go of James Harden. Um, and you can make the argument that he was at fault for Kevin Durant leaving. And then Kevin Durant basically calls him out on, on Twitter, he calls out him, Billy Donovan and Russell Westbrook and the rest of the OKC team. And what a way for this guy to redeem himself in one single <laughs> summer by bringing in Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, two veterans to it, adding them to a team next to Russell Westbrook. And despite them losing the second best player in the NBA, they're right back at it in NBA contention conversation. What a winner. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely winner. See, I'm going to agree with you. Chris Paul is probably the biggest loser this offseason. And I mean, 
I'm going with the OKC vein, but going on a more detailed level, I'd say Russell Westbrook oh. is the biggest winner. You So somehow, I don't want to say the NBA is rigged, <laughs> but it's like this amazing drama where Russell Westbrook is betrayed by his brother, by <laughs> Kevin Durant, the man that he almost won a championship with, that he was one game away from defeating the Warriors. Right. And he has a year of just a revenge tour where he averages a triple-double. And now you bring on two superstars to pair with him to be the top contender to beat Kevin Durant's new team. Yeah. Like, like, nobody wants to beat the Warriors more than Russell Westbrook. And it's going to create this epic showdown. I I and it's I'm just so happy to see Russell Westbrook get this opportunity. That is so true. Right. I mean Russell Westbrook is right at the pinnacle of his prime and just like you said his brother teammate his close teammate Kevin Durant <laughs> leaves him. What a drama for us fans as well. I cannot wait for this NBA season to get started and see that see those games. So back in a couple podcasts ago, remember when we uh, we talked about what were some of the key games to watch or what was the biggest game you were looking forward to in the regular season. Yeah, right. I mm-hmm. said OKC versus Warriors. Um, <laughs> and I'm so glad I said that because I still stick yeah. by that, if not even stronger now. Oh, completely. Yeah. No, that Yeah, that should make you even more excited for it. Right. So moving on now, let's go to the Northwest Division and continue talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, the Oklahoma, yep, the Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder is probably the team that's going to win this division. So naturally, we'll talk about them first. So they bring in some great new additions. Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, may have heard of him. Raymond Felton, <laughs> Patrick Patterson from the Toronto, former Toronto Raptor. Uh, Terrence Ferguson, the 21st pick, um, a former McDonald's All-American. Um, and who are some of the departures from this team, Sean? Uh, I mean, so we had Victor Oladipo and Damanis Sabonis leave uh, in that Paul George trade. And then uh, Taj Gibson, he's gone. Uh, he went to Minnesota, who we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. And then uh, Ennis Cantor and Doug McDermott gone for Carmelo Anthony. And man, is Ennis Cantor sad that he's <laughs> not in OKC anymore. Yeah, I actually feel bad for this guy. He had sent that heartfelt message um, after Kevin Durant. Um, obviously called out some of the OKC team members. He just heartfelt message saying how much he loved Oklahoma City and his fans. And then the guy gets done dirty. He gets traded <laughs> to New York while he's Man. periscoping with his fans live. Yeah, that's right. He's doing a youth basketball camp in yeah. Oklahoma. And all everyone in his periscope chat is like, bro, you got traded. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, you can't tell if he like realizes that it's happening, but he like kind of plays it off. He's like, look, oh, there's all these kids. It's <laughs> like, oh man, this poor guy. <laughs> yeah. I just, I wanted him to have a reaction, but maybe for his part, he, it was good. He didn't have a reaction or else that would have become an all time classic NBA video. But yeah. Oh man. <laughs> But yeah, so I guess, yeah, so now he gets to join up with uh, Christophs Porzingis on the New York Knicks. Yeah, it might not be all that bad for him. He might be, he's actually going to be a starter for New York, most likely. Oh yeah, most likely, yeah. He'll, he'll get some numbers, but man, would have been nice to be on a team with uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George and be a playoff team. Right. In, in your favorite city, because you love them so much. <laughs> Oklahoma City, yep. <laughs> Anyways, so something interesting about this team, though, is Russell Westbrook still has not signed that super max deal. 
Um, and what I found hilarious was in on media day a couple days ago, they he was asked about it, and he sort of just like brushed off the question, saying, "Oh, I just I haven't thought about it." I've been busy. No. I had a new song. It's like, come on, man. No. You haven't thought about the $200 million that's sitting at your table, like on your desk, like just waiting <laughs> right. for your signature. And what's even funnier, yeah. it's like, okay, Russell Westbrook, maybe you haven't thought about it, but you can't tell me your wife hasn't thought about yeah, it. Yeah, she must have brought it, like just at dinner, you know, like, so Russell, you're, you're going to take that $200 million? Like, <laughs> I, got, I got some sh- things on my shopping list I got to take care of. Right. It's like he's talking about he's been stressed because he's got a new son. Well, Hey man, how about you pair up your new son with two hundred million dollars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that makes uh, babysitting a lot easier. You right. probably get a really good babysitter for yeah, that kind of money. Probably get the top of the line child daycare of Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so do you think after seeing the moves that this that this front office is willing to go through to make this team competitive, like is it inevitable that he signs it or? Do you think he still leaves after this year? That's a tough question. Um, And the interesting thing to take into account when answering this is that Paul, George, Carmelo, Anthony are also on one-year contracts. Right, yeah. This this might just be a lone team just to try to beat the Warriors. But, yeah, any of them can leave. Yeah, and I think think that makes the answer to that question so complicated. And I want to say, I I just want to say I don't know. You know, it's like... (laughs) yeah. We might not really know the know the answer. Maybe for another couple months from now, when we see how this team actually looks, come January, come February. For all we know, this could blow up, and they're simply just a seventh or eighth seed. Or Carmelo Anthony has a season-ending injury. I don't know. Anything is possible. Um, sure. Yeah. Russell Westbrook is, as anybody knows, he's not. He can be very blunt at times, but he can also be very sort of hold things to to his chest or hold things under very, very well. Like I said, when he, when the yeah. reporter asked him, he just sort of said, Oh, I haven't just, I haven't thought about it. Yeah. When you, when he has thought about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think for me, this, I think I'm leaning more towards he does. Um, not because of the moves that have been made though, but because he doesn't want to be Kevin Durant. Really? Yeah. Cause I think he, yeah. Cause when Kevin Durant left, you're like, okay, now Russell Westbrook's the good guy because he stayed and he was loyal to his team. Mm-hmm. And now I just I just don't see him turning around and being like, yeah, I'm going to go to another team too and totally betray Oklahoma City. Like, I don't know. I feel like he wants to be that hero. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think he'll eventually sign it. We'll see. I mean, if he does sign it, I think that might not so much. In my opinion, I don't think that will so much play into it. I think more... More than anything is going to play into how Paul George comes out and plays with, with the team and whether or not he stays as well um, and and what other pieces get added to this team if, Car- say, Carmelo Anthony leaves or he stays as well. So I think, in my opinion, I think I'll have we'll have a better answer to this maybe like somewhere closer to the trade deadline once the seating starts coming together a lot more. Right, yeah. And I think um, on the Paul George note, um, I think he's the perfect complement to Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Car- yeah, you have Carmelo there, who like he seems to have a similar play style to Westbrook. But as far as Paul George goes, uh, he's got great defense. He's a great passer. He's not a guy that needs to have the ball in his hands at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's the perfect complement to both these guys. Um, 
where I think we're going to see, I mean, after the starting lineup goes and all three are on the same floor, I think you're going to see a lot of either Westbrook and George or George and Anthony on the floor together. Yeah. Um, just two just two stars while one's resting, uh, which I think George is going to be a great compliment to both of them. Yeah, I think Paul George brings that versatility that that you sort of need when you take out Russell Westbrook or Carmelo Anthony because like we had mentioned earlier, the this bench is weak. Um, you don't yeah. have a lot of pieces if you take Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and Carmelo Anthony out of the game or even two two out of the three. Uh, what's surprising is you might actually see Nick Collison get some minutes. 36-year-old <laughs> guy that we thought yeah. I thought was more of just like an honorary signing, like sort of like this guy's been with OKC for a very long time. He's actually the longest-running member now. So in terms of Western Conference standings, I have them finishing second. I think it's pretty clear to me. Uh, I don't think they beat the Warriors, uh, but I do think they're better than the Rockets, the Spurs, and Timberwolves. I don't think nobody stands a chance to take that second seed from them. And a storyline to follow with this team, it's let's see how these stars all pair together. And will Russell Westbrook sign that extension at some point in this season, or is he going to wait until the summertime? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. And the biggest X factor on this team, I think, is the bench. Jeremy Grant, Patrick Patterson, Nick Collison, Alex Abrinas, Raymond Felton. If you guys are going to be a serious championship contender, want to be a threat to the Golden State Warriors, you guys got to be able to play good when Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, David West are on the floor because those so guys bad. have been a huge X factor <laughs> for the Warriors. And JaVale McGee, too. Let's not forget about him. But anyways, knocking on the door below Oklahoma City is the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team who looks a lot better heading into this season, a team that's going to be a must-watch. Um, some new additions to this team is Jimmy Butler, Jamal Crawford, Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague. Um, who are some of the major departures that we saw this offseason, though? Oh, well, I mean, major is kind of a strong word uh, <laughs> if you're talking about bringing in guys like this. Uh, for Jimmy Butler, you had that trade where they gave away Zach Levine and Chris Dunn. And then you gave away Ricky Rubio and brought in Jeff Teague in return. And, I mean, overall, you got to see this as a huge plus. They brought in a ton of veteran leadership, ditched some of their youth. They're like, you know what? Screw this. We have to win now. Like, we've been rebuilding for way too long. We haven't mm -hmm. been good since the KG era. We haven't made the playoffs since the KG era. Our fans are fed up. It's about time we make some big moves to actually make a push to be a contender. And it seems like they've succeeded at least from the outside looking in, from not seeing them play together. Maybe they don't even mesh together, but all bets yeah. are on them easily making the playoffs, contending with the best in the West. Yeah, I love these moves. I mean, the people of Minnesota, you know, the lake going to the lakes can get boring, you know, going sledding, and <laughs> you, you want to watch some basketball, and Minnesota has not been able to produce that for its fans in probably close to a decade now since Kevin Garnett left that team. So these moves are good. Um, I like the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they're going to make a huge step, but I don't see them becoming an elite team of the West. I have them. I have. I think they'll finish fifth, fifth in the West. And still, in the West, that's still good though. Like all those teams, they got so much better this year. Like fifth, mm -hmm. you're you're rock solid if you're fifth. You're winning over right. fifty games. Right. Which is good, but I wouldn't go off and say they're elite. I think they'll still lose to, which I have the San Antonio Spurs finishing fourth in the West. I think the San Antonio mm -hmm. Spurs beat them in the first round. Okay. I mean, yeah, I can see that. Like, all these teams, you could really put them third, fourth, fifth. It's it's so hard to say at this point. They all have a lot of talent. 
Um, mm-hmm. But for this team, the X factor is going to be Andrew Wiggins. Uh, yep. I mean, you got Carl Anthony Towns down low. You know what you're getting with him. He put up huge numbers last year, 23 and 12, I believe. And then you bring in a guy like Jimmy Butler, one of the most consistent stars in the league. Yeah, uh, He's been around the block a few times. You know what you're getting with him. But with Andrew Wiggins, he is definitely an X factor. Um, he hasn't been injured yet, which is awesome. And he seems yeah. to have improved every year on his offense. Uh, he's yeah. at 23.6 points last year. But an interesting fact, not fact, but like a little bit of a statistic is that 538 ranked him as the worst defender in the entire NBA. <laughs> there, I, I, that's, I mean, I laugh, but it's like, I'm not, I'm not very surprised. I mean, even like just using your, uh, just observing the game, you can tell like Andrew Wiggins kind of just like kind of lazies off off defense a couple times, which is kind of surprising because Andrew Wiggins standing at six foot, six foot six, six foot seven, I think. He's he's definitely not undersized. He's a guy who can guard his position. He matches up well. It just almost seems as if like maybe he's still intimidated or maybe he doesn't have the the lateral quickness to keep up with some of the NBA players. But yeah, he definitely needs to step that up if I mean, if you want to be a championship team, then you got to measure yourself against the Warriors and the Warriors got a guy in Kevin Durant and a guy in, in Curry and Klay Thompson. You got to be able to chase these guys around. Yeah, I really don't know what it is. I feel like it's just like a mental thing that he has to get over. Like, he just doesn't know what he's doing on defense. Maybe he just doesn't ever work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this yeah. is, and this is, it's interesting too because Andrew Wiggins is one of these guys who's, to me, is kind of like that middle ground where is, is he a superstar or is he just a very good NBA player? And if he's a superstar, then does he deserve max money? Well, obviously, if you're a superstar, you deserve max money. But, Looking at this stat, it's kind of like, well, if you get max money, you shouldn't you shouldn't have any big faults in your game, right? Like your weakest yeah. point should still be average or hopefully above average. Yeah, a max player can't be the worst defender in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you can get away with being like the worst free throw shooter in the league. If you're like Shaq or you're Dwight yeah. Howard, you can get away with the max deal with being the worst free throw shooter. But the worst defender, that's that's a little too much to get over in my opinion. Right, especially in this league, as the as perimeter players and guard players are just dominating everything, so you got to be able to guard those positions. Yeah, exactly. So the storyline to watch with this team as their season unfolds is who becomes the leader. Is it one of the guys that's been there for a few years? Is it Towns? Is it Wiggins? Or does Jimmy Butler come in and immediately take that leadership role and be the go-to guy on the team? Um, it'll be interesting to see how all those three work together and who they really look to as the the guy that you go to in the clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, the locker room guy, yeah. I'll tell you who that's gonna probably be. Actually, who's that? Jamal Crawford. Hey, yeah. He's like the Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi of this team. For I think. For real though, <laughs> he's, he's he been is around. Such a good glue for your team. Right, and that man is clutch. Yeah. Talk about clutch. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he he can still shoot it. He's like 36, 37 years old now. Maybe mm-hmm. older. I don't know. He's up there, but he can still shoot. I mean, I loved having him on the Clippers last year. Last however many years he was there yeah Uh, yeah definitely so moving on now home but anyways the denver nuggets went out there and got serious and signed paul Millsap, a 32 year old one of the guys who's a symbol of consistency i think in this league sure he's not a superstar but the guy produces he he averaged 18 points and eight rebounds last year he'll definitely go in there and bring some needed help uh to the denver nuggets and they'll go ahead and pair him up with 
Jokic. Yeah, Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Man, Nikola that guy Jokic. Ball. Yep, the surprise of last year. Um, alongside with Paul Millsap, they also added Trey Lyles. Uh, not too much information on him. Yeah, he's just a just big a, man that the, he played for Utah last year. He's a bench player yep. at best. Right. Yep. He's there. <laughs> oh, that's something. Uh, out of the draft, they drafted Tyler Lydon out of Syracuse, 21-year-old power forward, a sharp shooter. Um, we'll see where he falls in the rotation. I mean, hope there's not... I don't know too much about him, so let's see what he can produce for this season. But what they do lose is Dan- Danilo Gallinari, Holla. the punching man. Give him He's to going. Me. Yep, he went out to the West Coast to the L.A. Clippers. Um, well, he never really was there with for the Denver Nuggets. He was constantly in and out of the rotation with injuries. Uh, hopefully he finds some more consistency with the training staff in L.A. I don't know. Maybe the warm sun yeah. will help prevent some injuries out there. But in case of the Denver Nuggets, they'll try to fill in his holes with the bag of guards that they have, Wilson Chandler, Gray Harris, um, and all those other dudes. So they have an abundance of shooting guards and and threes, but what they don't really have is a true point guard outside of Emmanuel Mude, who I have as the X factor of this team. Now, this is a guy who, yeah, this is a guy that came out of the draft with a lot of hype, um, and he's kind of performed really subpar up to this point last year he averaged 11 points three assists off 37.7 field goal percentage that's not too good not too good not if you want to stay in the nba <laughs> if you keep producing seasons like that you'll quickly uh fade out for sure there's a so, place on you for the new on the new jersey nets if you average those kind of numbers <laughs> yeah perhaps yeah the new jersey nets or maybe the south Bay lakers or the agua caliente la clippers <laughs> hey <laughs> yeah shout out <laughs> Yeah, but uh, just with the addition of Paul Millsap and I think just uh, with the resurgence of Joe Kick, I think this team trends up and I think they make the playoffs this year. Eighth in the West. I think they get four more wins than last year. Okay. However, I don't think any of those wins will be in the first round, so I do see them being <laughs> swept by the Warriors. Just a clean sweep. You're not giving Joe Kick a chance. I can't see it, man. Yeah. Draymond Green's gonna bully the heck out of them. They don't have an answer for Durant. You know, <laughs> I, it's just like it's not even like worth even discussing. Yeah, I think. Should, yeah, we shouldn't even discuss. It. I mean, I do think that's pretty likely matchup though. I I also have him finishing eighth in the West. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Paul Millsap. He's he's a very good player, but he's thirty two year old, two years old now. He'll be thirty three at some point in the season. And how much longer is he gonna be good? Like, is he still on the top of his game? I'm not really sure. Yeah. Uh, so he's definitely not going to be the go-to guy, but Jokic definitely will be the go-to guy. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy can ball. I had no idea. I was so excited to see him just show up last year and just freaking wreck the NBA out of nowhere. Right. Um, I'm really excited to see what else he can do this year, if he can really improve his game at all. And I think this team's best chance to even win one game in the playoffs is to run the ball through him and figure out how to get him the ball any way they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. all their young guards can definitely excel at doing that. So, yeah, it'll be a yeah. cool team to watch. Yeah, hopefully this uh, my buddy Emmanuel Mude can step up and get that ball in the right places to some of these guys. Uh, like I said, I think I, I think he'll be the glue to this team. Joke can produce, but this team needs Mude to start uh, playing like a decent point guard in this league. <laughs> For real, yeah. Yeah, but anyways, for the Denver Nuggets, a huge victory will definitely be just qualifying for the playoffs and and then setting themselves up for years to come and see where they go from there. Totally. 
So moving on to the Utah Jazz, the sad city of Salt Lake City. <laughs> so much that, salt, so many yeah. tears. <laughs> so much salt. <laughs> so much salt. I mean, so I, we'll start off with the departures this time. We, we all know who it is at this point. It's Gordon Hayward. And then on top of that, as if that wasn't enough, you lost George Hill, your pretty great point guard. And then Boris Dial left too. Shelvin Max gone. Uh, Trey Lyles went to Denver. Uh, yeah, sad times for Salt Lake, uh, the mm-hmm. j- the Jazz. And uh, but for your additions, you you bring in a few good pieces. You can't be too sad about what you bring in here. You got Donovan Mitchell in the draft, uh, who's a promising talent. Um, he's a good scorer. Um, he actually scored thirty seven points, got eight steals in a summer league game this season. So that's something to look for. I mean, if you have mm-hmm. that kind of scoring potential. Uh, you can't really be ignored. And um, they also bring in Ricky Rubio, pass first point guard. I uh, got him from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, he's yeah. a solid veteran, so he'll bring some good leadership there. And then on the more defensive-minded side, they brought in Jonas Jerebko, Thabo Sevalosha, and Ekpe Udo. So some guys that can really just like grind your gears, you know, just get the defense rolling, just make sure to uh, be stingy and not give up any points. Right. I mean, that's... Basically, the Utah Jazz are going to have to rely a lot on that since they, the offensive power that they had in Gordon Hayward is essentially gone, and you don't really replace him with any score. Um, so you're going to rely, you're going to rely a lot on Rodney Hood, right? Um, and maybe Ricky Rubio, got miraculously developed <laughs> a three point shot. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to have Ricky Rubio facilitate to Rodney Hood, and Rodney Hood's going to have to produce. I mean. Now that Gordon Hayward's gone, jury's out on who's going to be the, the guy getting points on this team. And Rodney mm-hmm. Hood seems like the leading candidate to do that. I mean, he didn't do too much last year playing behind Hayward and was had a little bit of injury problems. But um, this year he has the chance to prove himself as the playmaker of the team. And then um, yeah. you, you have guys like Dante Exum that could even prove themselves. And that guy, right. he drafted fifth overall, I believe. Um, 18-year-old Australian kid. Didn't know what to expect, and turns out we shouldn't have expected very much. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I had to put like a number on his NBA production up to this point, it would be pretty close to zero. Aww. He has really done nothing <laughs> worthless. Um, yeah, and I mean, maybe he did himself a favor by doing that because now he heads into this season with more opportunity than he's ever had before, uh, and he has no pressure. I mean, he's kind of like irrelevant. Yeah, nobody. We've kind of just forgotten about him. Yeah, so like, sure, he has no pressure on him to really do too much. So maybe he can play a little more freely. But at the same time, I mean, how many minutes is he gonna really get playing behind Ricky mm-hmm. Rubio? So we'll see if he becomes anything. But he's not actually my X factor for this team. The X factor for this team, I believe, is gonna be Derek Favors, um, the guy that's Favors. proven that he can play in this league. He's put up double doubles. He gets a ton of blocks. Um, mm-hmm. very good defensively, a great rebounder, but his health has deteriorated over the past few seasons, almost inexplicably because he's still a pretty young guy. So yeah. it, it's hard for me to believe that this is happening to him at such a young age, but if he can stay healthy with him and go bear down low, like that's, that's a good dynamic duo. Yeah, that that's definitely a front line. That's going to cause a lot of havoc in, in the NBA. Um, it just kind of sucks to see a guy like Derek Favors comes into this league and he shows signs of being this double-double machine. And then, unfortunately, his body just hasn't been paying him any favors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Ah, oh, very clever. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, God. But, but yeah, if this team has any chance of getting a decent amount of wins, I think a lot of it's going to rely on their on their defense and Rudy Gobert down low and hopefully Ronnie Hood develops some sort of perimeter scoring ability. And maybe rookie Rubio out of miraculously develops a three-point shot. That, that won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but moving out to the West Coast, you got the Portland Trailblazers um, who are riding on the the trend up of uh, the recent... They're, they're on... A team who also had another center sort of like come out of nowhere and Nurkic. Nurkic, uh, yeah, who they got him from up. Denver, who was playing behind right. Jokic. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like you just trade these two pieces and all of a sudden they flourish and and their new team. So that's sort of what you like, what you want in a trade. But both teams got the got a good side of those trades. So you get this guy and you pair him up with what you have already, which is CJ McCollum and Damian Leonard. Um, so let's start with some of the additions. You got Caleb swinging from the draft, Zach Collins, a guy that Portland really wanted a seven footer, 19 years old out of Gonzaga. So Portland, yeah. So <laughs> Portland actually traded the number 15 and number 20 pick to get this guy. So wow. they're hoping that this guy develops into something. I think there, he's definitely a project. Uh, I don't think he's NBA ready, but I mean, Portland looks like they're willing to invest. And I think, I think they, Maybe they invested good. I mean, Gonzaga went all the way to the national championship game. Zach Collins looks like a guy who who's willing to put in the work. Yeah, definitely. Um, and their departures, Alan Crabtree. I mean, you're not really going to miss this guy. Not because he wasn't a good player, but because of the amount of salary cap he was sucking from your team. Yeah, he, they paid him so much last year. That was insane. They're, they're so lucky to got, have gotten rid of that contract. Right, and Portland Trailblazers, I guess, is kind of one of those teams where, like, is an example of maybe why you shouldn't fall too much in love with the player with the team that you've built. Essentially, the Portland Trailblazers had this great playoff run, and it seems like they kind of got a little bit crazy, and they re-signed all these guys to ridiculous deals, and then they realized, like, hey, maybe we only had one good playoff series. It doesn't look like any of these guys are really worth the money that they got. Uh, yeah. So you ship Alan Crabtree out, and now you save yourself from paying potentially up to $40 million in salary tax by dumping some of these guys, which included Crabtree, Festi Zazili, Andrew Nicholson, and Tim Quartman. Quarterman. Yeah, I, ne- Quarterman. I didn't even know that guy existed, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I didn't either, but he was, he was just another guy that was on that team uh, adding up to that salary salary cap. But, I mean, I have the Blazers trending up, and simply because I think they have a – they have a good amount of young guys that are going to develop and they're going to continue to get better. So I have them finishing six in the West this year. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't even think it's because of the young guys. I think it's because of their core three and CJ Damien and Nurkic. Now, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Nurkic, we don't know what he could have done in the playoffs last year. Had he stayed healthy, but I'm not saying they would have beaten the warriors or anything, but maybe won a game or two. Uh, yeah. It's hard to say. Like that guy's very talented, and he definitely fit in really well with his team. So, just between those three guys, that's a lot of firepower you got. So, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm liking the way this team's looking. Um, they dumped a lot of guys that they need to just so their front office didn't pay a bunch of money. Mm. Um, so yeah, outlook's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I like this team, and the X factor for them, I didn't necessarily put any player, uh, because sort of they've kind of put themselves in a situation where they where they have guys and they've had them for a while. So I put down internal growth. Oh, I think they're, I think the internal growth of this team is definitely going to, is going to, what's going to end up carrying them, whether it's either to the six or a surprising second round to the playoffs or just another first round exit this year. But I think the, 
the combination of Nurkic, CJ McCall, and Damian Leonard, and how much they develop from last season, I think that's going to be their X factor. Because I think CJ McCall and Damian Leonard, I think they're tired of being left off that All Star team, especially Damian Lillard. Yeah, I can't believe he hasn't made it the last two years. It's unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. it's and it's even going to be harder for him this year because of all the people that are in the West right now. Like, it's not like the West lost anybody; they just gained good players. Right. It's unfortunate that I guess maybe who knows maybe like six seven years ten years from now when these guys aren't in the league anymore like are they gonna look back and is anybody gonna say oh Damian Leonard was a really good player like the only reason he doesn't seem like he's a good player is because he never made an All Star team or are people just yeah. simply gonna forget and it's just, about him? It's so him? unfair, yeah, because yeah, he's averaging twenty five points a year. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want from him? You know. <laughs> Yeah, so I think the storyline to watch here is, will this finally be the year that C.J. McCollin, or more, finally, goes to Damian Leonard? Will Damian Leonard finally make an all-star team? The odds are against him, but like I said, <laughs> the X factor is the internal growth. If maybe all of a sudden he becomes the guy who averages 30 points a game. Right. Yeah, I don't think C.J. has a very good chance at all of making it. I'm going to put it close to zero, but I think Damian Lillard has a pretty good chance to make it this year. Mm-hmm. Well, that wraps it up for our preview for the Northwest Division. This is definitely one of the more competitive divisions in the league right now. Uh, we're essentially looking at three out of these teams or four out of these five teams making the playoffs. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the Jazz surprise some people and they make the eight seed. Sure Denver Nuggets get not. the seventh seed. <laughs> I can't afford to lose that bet to Scott again. Yeah. Well, moving on, just to close this off on final thoughts, Dwight Howard recently sat down in a Sports Illustrated interview and revealed a conversation with Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan says, essentially saying that he plays out of control and you're not focusing on your shots or your free throws or the right type of defense. Um, Why play piss when you can play determined? Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. So basically, maybe Michael Jordan suggesting that he can bring on Dwight Howard onto the Charlotte Hornets and essentially maybe change the way he approaches his game and maybe turn him into a better player. That'd be my thoughts awesome. on, yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. But my thoughts on it is, I don't think you could do that. No, uh, not putting faith no. in Dwight Chocolate. Nope, man's thirty-two years old. He's set in his ways. He's had a lot of opportunities and hasn't been able to do much with it. And then I'm not too sure. I'm not very confident in Michael Jordan's ability to be a mentor. He's a great basketball player. But let's be honest, who has he really been successful with in terms of mentorship or developing? Out of all the teams, he, he's definitely been an owner for 11-plus years now, and only t- he's only had a team make the playoffs twice. Kemba Walker's own- a pretty good player. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. You got Kemba Walker there. Yeah. I don't know. I really hope to see a resurgence because like, it's kind of sad when you think about where Dwight's Howard career was, like just five years ago even like his last year on the magic when people were like if you had to start a team around a player who would you pick most people pick Mm -hmm. lebron james but their second pick would be dwight howard right and now is he even in like the top 100 of espn rank i don't even i don't think he was like no it's pretty ridiculous how quickly things fell apart for him after he left orlando and how quickly things fell apart for orlando after he left so Maybe he just should have never left and we'd still be talking about him as one of the best players in the league. I'm sure he thinks about that a lot, but if I was a betting man, I would not bet on Dwight Howard really having a resurgence. I think he's going to go back to being a third, just keep continuing the same trend, being a 13 and 10 guy, 13 and 8 guy. Uh, 
like I said, I don't really have much confidence in Michael Jordan's mentorship yeah, ability. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's going to turn him all of a sudden back into a, a 20 and 20 and 11 guy or something like that. There's no proof in this put in. Nope. But also on the final thought that I wanted to close in is um, essentially, even though we're in the summertime, the NBA continues to make headlines. Why? You got Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, LeVar Ball, even Kobe's still making the, the headlines. Killing it. Why? I think it's because the NBA continues to be the most character drama driven sport on the planet. And I think mm. that's what's carrying this team. And it also makes it fun to watch. What are your thoughts on that, Sean? Um, Do you enjoy the drama? Oh, I mean, I, I love it personally as an NBA fan. Like, if there was nothing going on during the offseason, like, how, like, what do you hear about, like, in baseball or NFL? Like, what do you hear about during the offseason? Like, nothing happens there. Like, mm-hmm. all you hear about is, like, Ezekiel Elliott, like, hit this woman. Is he going to get suspended or not? Like, yeah. that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear about all this crazy, like, fake Instagrams, like, <laughs> trades, LeVar Ball just shouting things. Like, it's so much better. It's so fun. Like, that's right. why we have an NBA podcast. Yeah. So as ridiculous as all these storylines may seem, Kevin Durant's Twitter, LeVar Ball's crazy antics when he comes on TV, or Lonzo Ball, uh, people love it. And the NBA just recently sold one of their teams, the Houston Rockets, for $2.2 billion, record-setting. That's a lot of cash. That's a lot of cash. <laughs> so it just goes to show you that the NBA uh, is growing, and I can't wait for this season to start and see how all these dramatic storylines uh, develop as the season goes. Less than a month so, away. We're almost Less there. than a month away. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I'm Alan. And please subscribe. Please like if you like our po- our podcast. And keep up. Next week, we'll throw down another episode, and we'll be previewing another division. Sounds good. Have a good week, guys.